Well, good morning to all of our Redeemer Church family. I am so grateful that you have tuned in to this Easter broadcast. I want you to know that you are missed. While I've enjoyed a few unexpected days off, I am missing my routine of going to the office and seeing many of you throughout the week. And I'm especially missing Sundays. And I'm sure you do as well. Hopefully we'll be able to be back together soon. But we all want to be at want it to be at a time uh, when we don't put anyone, and especially some of our most vulnerable among us, at risk. So hang in there and be praying for each other. We need that support more than anything right now. I want to especially thank our volunteers who have been making the food pantry a priority, and for others during these days when the rest, when the rest of us uh, have been isolating. Uh, you are Redeemer's heroes, and we pray especially for you. And I hope you've also been praying for our doctors and our nurses and our respiratory therapists and our first responders and so many who have been caring for those who are sick. Send someone a note this week and tell them you're praying for them and how much you appreciate them. Before we begin today's message, let me share an old story with you. One Easter Sunday, a pastor was giving a children's message uh, during worship, and he said, can anyone tell me what happened on Easter? And there was only silence. The pastor persisted, and he asked again. Now, I know someone here knows what happened on Easter a long time ago. Please tell me. And again, more silence. Finally, visibly frustrated, the pastor asked again. He said, somebody please tell me what happened on that first Easter morning. And finally, little Johnny raised his hand and said, they killed Jesus. That's right, said the pastor. And then what? Well, they put him in the ground and he was there for three days. Johnny was a little bit more confident now. Right, said the pastor. And then what? On Easter morning, Jesus came out of the ground. Wonderful, shouted the pastor. But Johnny continued, and if he sees his shadow, there will be six more weeks of winter. That story reminds me that there are a lot of people in our world who know just a little bit about Easter. They know bits and pieces about the Easter story, but some of the details are not all that clear. So I would encourage you to read or reread the story from one of the Gospels today. Make it a family devotional time. Just take a quiet moment, perhaps for yourself, and then give God thanks for the wonderful gift that has been given to us to celebrate this day, even as we're apart. I want to remind you of two things uh, today. First of all, your financial gifts are so important during this time. Churches like ours still have lots of expenses, even if we're not here together regularly. And your generosity during these days is so much appreciated. Next week, we begin a new teaching series based on one of the ancient creeds, the Apostles' Creed. And it is, I hope, a good series for us as we cope with the difficulties and illness and anxiety that the coronavirus has challenged us with. So I hope you'll tune in uh, for that series as well. And then finally, every Easter, uh, we take a special Easter offering. 
And so uh, this year, the Easter offering has been designated to help the Basic Needs Center in St. John's. And you will be receiving more information in e-news and some other channels through our church uh, this coming week or in the next week or two. And I hope you'll tune in. And if you can make an extra gift for the Easter offering this year, uh, it would be very much appreciated. Now, the message today is entitled, Where Is He? And we are looking at a passage of scripture in Matthew's gospel, the 28th chapter and the first 15 verses. It's difficult for us this morning to come together and not be able to speak the age-old response of Christians around the world. Christ is risen. And the response, Christ is risen indeed. And I say that because for me it's very strange to not be with all of you, the Redeemer congregation, due to the coronavirus. This pandemic is keeping us apart on one of the most significant days of the year for Christ followers, Easter morning. Aside from that, it's a challenge for me to also fully understand what it must have been like on that first Easter for Mary and Peter and John and the rest of Jesus' disciples. They didn't know the end of the story like we do. They only knew what had happened in their life in the past 72 hours. Jesus had been arrested and condemned to die by both the religious leaders and the Roman government. He was led out of the city carrying a cross, and on a hill just outside of Jerusalem, they watched Jesus being nailed to a tree and die. His disciples had all failed him one way or another. Each one ran away when Jesus needed them the most. Personally, and as a group of followers, they had let Jesus down. And they were all feeling defeated, feeling demoralized. And so when the sun rose on that first day of the week, there wasn't any feeling of hope or possibility. And for them, the sunrise wasn't a sign of hope, but a reminder that these disciples faced another day of defeat. I want you to listen to the story of, as the Gospel of Matthew tells it. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the to the women, don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee and you will see him there. Remember what I've told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Now, when the women went to the tomb with spices, it was prepared, 
It was to prepare the body of Jesus for its final burial. No one was feeling good about that day. No one was celebrating. And so it's hard for us to imagine what it must have been like for them to see the tomb and realize that Jesus was not there. The truth is that many people that day had to wrestle with the reality of the message. He is not here. And think through what was going on. If Jesus wasn't in the tomb, where was he? What happened to him? Before Jesus appeared to the disciples later in the day, the minds and imaginations of the disciples must have been spinning, trying to make sense of an empty tomb. And even after Mary said she had seen Jesus, they must have wondered if the impossible could be really true and Jesus was alive. Or was Mary just seeing things because she was in so much grief and pain? I can picture the disciples gathered together saying to themselves, if he isn't here, then where is he? I can imagine the Roman soldiers who were supposed to watch the tomb saying, he isn't here. And then asking, where is he? I can imagine the religious leaders hearing the news of the empty tomb and asking one another, where is he? I can hear Pontius Pilate and Herod asking their attendants who brought them the news of an empty tomb, where is he? You see, throughout history, people have been asking that same question. If the tomb was empty and Jesus wasn't there, then where was he? Where is he? Maybe you've asked yourself that same question. If the tomb where Jesus was laid after he died was empty, did he really rise from the dead? Can we place our faith and trust in a savior who died and then rose again? Well, the truth is we can. And while faith and trust will always be a part of our believing in the resurrection of Jesus, there is a lot of evidence and sound reasoning that can undergird our faith. There's a great book that was first published by Josh McDowell in 1981 called The Resurrection Factor. And while the book might be a few years old, the, <clears throat> the facts don't change and the historical evidence, uh, evidence still supports the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to share with you some of the ideas that Josh lays out because it is important for us to understand what we believe about Jesus and to know the truth that our faith rests on sound evidence. Now, the first thing we know beyond doubt is that there was a man named Jesus who lived in Palestine about 2,000 years ago, and he died on a cross outside of Jerusalem. We know this because it is recorded in the historical records kept by Josephus, who was not a Christian, but a noteworthy Roman Jewish historian. And most scholars accept the historical fact, uh, his statements about Jesus, the Messiah being a wise teacher who was one day crucified by Pilate. Josephus would have inter uh, interviewed and spoken to many eyewitnesses. And so his information is reliable. So we know that there was a man named Jesus who was crucified by Pilate. And we know from the records of his followers, which we now call the New Testament, that the tomb that Jesus was placed in after he died was found empty three days later. 
But what evidence do we have that Jesus actually rose from the dead? To answer that, let's ask another question. If Jesus died and the tomb was empty, then where was Jesus? What happened to his body? There are several theories. The first theory that surfaced, we actually find in the Bible, and I want you to hear it from Matthew 28, 11 through 15. As the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called, and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping, and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Now their story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. From the very beginning, there were those who believed that Jesus did not rise from the dead. And so they explained the empty tomb in other ways, like the disciples came and stole Jesus' body. Now, if that were true, then everything the disciples said about Jesus rising from the dead and appearing to them several times and giving them his spirit and his power was a lie. But why would the disciples lie if they knew their story could be checked out and even get them killed? If the Roman officials had crucified Jesus, they could just as easily crucify his followers for proclaiming that Jesus was alive and stirring up the crowds again. The disciples put themselves in a very dangerous position. And it doesn't make any sense for them to have taken that chance and risked their lives for something they knew was a lie. There's also no way the disciples could have stolen the body without the guards who were posted at the tomb knowing about it. The stones that were put in front of a tomb in those days didn't roll away easily or silently. They were large, they were heavy. So even if the guard had fallen asleep or taken a break, there's no way they could have gotten into the tomb and taken the body without the guards noticing it. So this theory just doesn't hold up. The disciples stealing Jesus' body just doesn't make sense. But if the, what if the Roman authorities moved Jesus' body? Perhaps Pilate was concerned about the followers of Jesus taking his body for some purpose. So Pilate could have had the body moved during the night. But if that were true, it would have been easy for the Roman officials to just produce the body of Jesus and stop the story of Jesus' resurrection. Nothing would have stopped the news of Jesus' resurrection more powerfully than to produce a body wrapped in grave clothes. But the Roman officials never did that. For all the early years that the Christian church grew on the basis of preaching the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, the Roman officials never produced a body, which tells us they didn't have a body. They didn't move it. Another theory that surfaced was that the women went to the wrong tomb. And through all their grief and sorrow, maybe, maybe they just made a mistake. I've always found that hard to believe because while Jerusalem was a large city and filled with many people, because of the Passover, it was not so large or congested that the women didn't know which tomb Jesus was laid in. 
These women loved Jesus and they waited at the cross until he died and they watched Joseph of Arimathea take the body down and they followed to see where he was laid. There is no conceivable way that all the disciples went to the wrong tomb. And even if they had, Joseph who owned the tomb or the Roman soldiers who were watching the tomb would have quickly sent them to the right one. But they never did. All they all went to the right place and the stone had been rolled away and the body was not there. Some people have also put forth the idea that Jesus wasn't there because Jesus never really died. This theory says that Jesus was close to death when, he, when they took him down from the cross, but not really dead. And so after three days of cool temperatures and some rest, he was revived. And from the inside of the tomb, he rolled away the stone and walked out to live a quiet life somewhere. Now you might already begin to see the problems with this theory. When we think of all Jesus suffered before his crucifixion and the weakened state of his body when he was taken off the cross, it's hardly possible to think that Jesus could have gotten stronger on his own in just a couple of days. And then rolled away a huge stone from the opening of the grave, from the inside. Now think of all Jesus had experienced leading up to his crucifixion. He had been flogged and he had been beaten, he causing significant loss of blood and fluids. Nails had been driven through his hands and through his feet and his side had been pierced. And when the water and blood poured out, it tells us that Jesus had, they had pierced Jesus' lungs. Experts on Roman crucifixion say there's no way Jesus could have simply passed out on the cross and then woken up in the tomb three days later and rolled the stone away. See, the Romans were too good at executions to allow that to happen. So Jesus' body wasn't stolen and he didn't pass out on the cross and wake up three days later and walk away. And those theories just don't hold up. But they also don't give us any positive evidence that Jesus rose from the dead or is alive. However, beyond the testimony of the eyewitnesses who shared what they saw with others, even under the threat of death, there is compelling evidence that Jesus did rise from the dead and is alive today. Let's go back to the disciples. After Jesus died and was laid in the tomb, they were humiliated and defeated. They not only lost their leader, they had failed him completely and were dealing with a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. And after Jesus died, the disciples were literally hiding from the Roman officials and religious leaders behind locked doors. They were terrified to be known as a follower of Jesus in the religious and political climate of Jerusalem was suicide. And so they hid until they saw Jesus. The risen and living Jesus changed the disciples almost instantly. And this same Jesus changes them forever. The night Jesus was arrested, Peter, if you remember, had been so afraid of a servant girl in the courtyard that he lied to her and to those around her and said that he didn't even know who Jesus was. And then in a few weeks later, Peter was standing in the streets of Jerusalem and we see him boldly preaching that Jesus had risen from the dead and he was the Messiah. Ordinary fishermen 
were willing to sacrifice their lives and commit themselves to hardship and to persecution to proclaim that Jesus had not only risen from the dead, but that they had seen him, they had eaten with him, and they had felt his physical touch. They knew the presence and the power of the resurrection. The evidence we have that Jesus is alive is that lives were changed by the risen and living Jesus. But it wasn't just lives in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago that were changed. Lives have been changing ever since. Which tells us that Jesus has been alive and present in our world since that very first Easter. And lives today are still being changed by the risen Jesus which means that Jesus is still alive. Now, the reason I can say that lives today are still being changed is because my life and many of yours have been changed by the risen Jesus. While I grew up in the church and always believed in God, when I was 10 years old at a vacation Bible school program, I committed myself to be a follower of Jesus. And then in college, I began to think a lot more about Jesus and who he was and what he did and if he was really alive and really a present force in my life. Some doubts I had caused me to dig deeper and what I can say with certainty is that the risen Jesus made a difference in my life and Jesus continually changes me. I know some of you have shared stories with me over the years of how Christ has made a difference in your life as well. Before Jesus, you had no real direction and bounced around from one major to another or one life path to another. And then after the living Jesus entered your life, uh, you had a clear sense of direction and purpose. And it wasn't uh, to a major, it wasn't necessarily to a career, but to a calling to serve the risen Christ in some way that would matter and make a real difference in our world. Before Jesus, I for one was very timid and shy. I would have never stood up in front of anyone to speak, let alone be a pastor. In fact, in grade school, I was too scared to stand up and say my line in the Christmas pageant at church and it was just a few words. Today, you can't get me to stop talking about Jesus. Something changed me. And as I look at my life, I can say that the change has been because of a living Jesus. I have also seen Jesus change people and bring healing and hope to those who were living in despair. I have seen people give up everything to follow a new path in life after coming to know Jesus. I've seen people forgive and give in unbelievable ways after accepting Jesus. You see, Jesus is making a difference in people's lives today, and that's because he is alive. He was not there in the tomb because he is here today, and Jesus is here uh, doing the very same thing he did on that very first resurrection day. Jesus is here to offer forgiveness for our failures, to give us a second or a third or a fourth chance at life. Jesus is here to heal our hurts, to heal our lives, to restore relationships, to give us hope for the future. Jesus is here to give us courage to live the new life that he has for us and to help us embark on a new mission to change this world. 
2,000 plus years ago, the disciples stood at an empty tomb and said, he's not here. So that today in a congregation in DeWitt and a congregation in St. John's, we can say, he is here. And we know he's here because he's changed our lives. And we're looking for him to continue to change lives. The evidence we have of the resurrection is not just the eyewitness testimonies that have stood up to the scrutiny of people through centuries. But it is the real change that can be found in our lives when we allow the living Christ to enter into our hearts and our life. I want to invite you today to allow God to give you all the evidence that you need to believe that Jesus is alive. And that evidence is your own changed life. Jesus is alive and he's here today with the same power that overcame sin and death and even a grave. And it is that power that can overcome doubt and fear and any hold that sin has on our life. Jesus is here to take the darkness of our lives and turn our lives into hope and possibility. We can experience the power of the resurrection by asking Jesus to not just be here with us, but to be here in us. Today we can ask the risen Jesus who is with us to change us and to heal us and to fill our life with good things. Today we want to remind you that Jesus is alive and he is with you. And it's my prayer that you will ask God each and every day to do a work of transformation in your own heart, in your own life, that through you and through this church, God will change and heal and transform our world into his kingdom. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us enough to defeat our sin and death by rising from the dead. We believe the empty tomb means that you are with us today to bring forgiveness and new life. So may the power of your resurrection change our lives so that we might experience the peace, the power, and purpose that comes when, we are with, when you are with us. So step into our hearts and into our lives this day so that we may live for you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.